Praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here tonight. Pastors Mark and Brandon, of course, Pastor Mark's been ministering at another church this morning for another pastor as they're out of town. And, uh, of course, Pastor Brenda did the two morning services. And she was speaking this morning on the subject of contending and not complaining. And I'm so excited because I'm just going to take off on what she was talking about. And I'm going to come alongside of her. And I'm going to talk about contending with amazing grace. Amen? Takes the grace of God to contend, doesn't it? You'll find I talk a lot about grace. Actually, my name, Nancy, does mean grace. Hallelujah. How many of you have heard the quote of F.F. Bosworth that says, Faith begins where the will of God is known. Have you heard that? Brother Hagen used to quote quite a bit, but faith begins where the will of God is known. You see, faith must rest on God's will. God's will alone. Not our will. Not our opinion or the opinion of others. Not our desires or our wishes. But faith must rest on the will of God. How many of you will raise your hand tonight and say, I am believing God for his will, his plan, his purposes. I'm believing God for something tonight. Amen. We should all be lifting our hands. We should all be contending and believing God for something in our own life, in the lives of others, in situations around us, in our nation. For the lost. Amen. It takes our faith. Faith is the hand that reaches out and takes hold of the promises of God and brings them to you so that you can possess them. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says this. Now the just shall what? You know this? They shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. Faith is what pleases God. You know, when you live by something, what are some things that we need to live by or with, should I say? Well, we need water, don't we? We need food. It's good to have shelter, but we could actually do without it. But the Bible says we're also to live by something else. We're to live By faith. That means you need it like you need water, like you need air, like you need food, substance for your physical being. You need faith for your spiritual being. Amen. It says now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. And in the Amplified, it says this. If he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. You see, when fear presents itself, it will try to 
intimidate you and cause you to do what? Draw back. Draw back off of your faith and to shrink up. You know when a sponge is dried out and it shrinks up? It cannot do what it is intended to do. It's got to be saturated. It's got to be soaked. Amen. So that it can do what it is intended to do. And so we too need to be saturated. I mean dripping with the word of the living God. Living epistles that are known and read of all men. Fear will make a coward out of you. You know when you shrink and you draw back, you know, have you ever seen an animal that's afraid? And it cowers down. And it shrinks back. And it hides. The word has a lot to say about hiding. Hiding your gifts. Hiding your talents. Hiding your service. Amen? Yeah. God's not pleased with that. He takes no pleasure in it. But it takes faith to step out. Amen? And to put your hand to the plow. And to watch what God will do as he develops you. Amen? I recently had an opportunity where I was tempted, very tempted, to draw back and shrink in fear about a medical procedure that I was scheduled for. I want you to know all is well. I'm fine and all of that. But I want to share it with you because I want you to understand some things. What you got to do. How you got to put grace and faith to work together when the pressure's on. You know, when the pressure's on, pressure does what? It squeezes you. And when you're squeezed, you really find out what's in you. And I'm telling you, this situation, uh, the doctor had said to me, and it was kind of a surprise. It wasn't something I was expecting. And she said, you know, I really want you to have this procedure. And let me tell you something. When a doctor says to you, I would like for you to have this procedure, of course you need to pray. But I want to exhort you, never say no because of a fear-based decision. Amen? We have seen too many people take their flight early and are buried and did not finish their course because they made a fear-based decision and called it faith. Amen? Now, let's get back to my story. So, I had to have this medical procedure. So, I'm kind of like inquisitive. And I called somebody who's in the medical field that is in this particular field. And I asked them about the procedure. I also knew what the doctor had told me. And I asked lots of questions. And I asked someone else who had had the procedure. And when I got done with all those conversations, let's just say this. I wasn't encouraged. It didn't comfort me, you know. (laughs) And I'm trying to analyze these things. And, you know, it just did not bring me the peace of God. 
And so I had to make a choice. Because the thoughts of fear were coming. Thoughts of dread. You know, dread is a cousin to fear. It's akin to fear. But you know, I came to church on that Sunday. And of course, my pastor, your pastor has a word from God for you. And if you come and you sit and you make a demand, I'm telling you, you won't leave disappointed. And he had a word, you'll remember, he was talking about some dental work. And how he dreaded, well, actually he was tempted to dread this dental procedure. He was going to have root canals and several other things that had to be done. But he said he resisted that temptation to dread, to have a bad attitude, to be fearful. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but basically that's what he said. And I just, I'm telling you, I just, I took hold of that. It was a word from the Lord for me. So I received it. Amen? I ate it. I digested it. Because see, the devil wants to paint other pictures for you. Pictures that cause fear to arise. But you have to put those down. You have to know God's got another picture. He has another way for you. And you've just got to find it. You've got to find it. Jesus says he's the way, but he will make a way for you. And so that's exactly what I began to do. I began to say, no, I'm not going to take dread. I won't receive it. I'm not going to receive fear. I'm not going to receive that into my heart. Now you've heard this before. You know, thoughts can be like those birds. They f- it flies over your head. And you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can do what? You can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And so, that's exactly what I endeavored to do. Stop the thoughts from building a nest in my soul. And that's what you're going to have to do to come out on the other side with peace and every circumstance of life. We want the peace of God, don't we? I know that's what I want. I want peace. Even the peace that surpasses understanding of the situation. And you can have it if you will be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Thoughts will be present. Thoughts were present for me. But as I continued to resist those thoughts, I continued to get stronger on the inside. And you know, it was like those thoughts were all around me. They were all around me. Have you ever seen one of these little things? Let's see here. Let me just... It's a little umbrella for those of you who are listening to the tape. It's a little umbrella hat. And you put the hat on your head, you see? And this is what I felt like. I mean, this was actually, uh, it was like thoughts coming. But they were dripping all around me. Thoughts of fear. Thoughts of dread. But you see, they didn't get on me. And because they didn't get on me... 
They didn't get in me. Amen. And because they didn't get in me, guess what I had? I had the peace of God. I had the peace of God. And as those thoughts began to come, I began to say this. I will not frustrate the grace of God through thoughts of fear. Which will cause me to depart from peace. I will not frustrate the grace of God. See, God's grace will come on you for some things. And, you know, my mind wanted to analyze some things. It wanted to figure some things out. It wanted to do research. But my spirit man said, no. Stay in peace. Peace was my umpire. Peace was ruling and reigning in my heart. And it affected my mind. It affected my soul. It affected my will. It affected my emotions. I was steadfast. I was fixed. I was not going to lose my peace. I'll tell you what. Worrying about tomorrow's problems will rob you of God's peace for you today. You'll never walk in peace if you're a worry wart. Amen? If you're always troubled about something. Jesus said, take no thought. Be be worry not. Trouble not. Amen? Amen? And so, on the day of the procedure, I'm ready to go. I was mentally prepared. I was emotionally prepared. But most of all, I was spiritually prepared. And so as I'm, I'm driving, it's like, okay, the thought comes. Okay, now you better start thinking about this. I said, no, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God with thoughts of fear. Arrived there at the, at the hospital. Walk in. And, of course, now the thoughts are getting stronger. Okay, now. Now you got to start figuring it out. No. No, I don't. I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God with thoughts of fear. I'm holding on to my peace. So as I was waiting, of course they brought me in and then something wasn't ready so they had to take me back out. And still, I'm maintaining the peace of God through the grace of God that was lifting me. Go into the room and of course you see the lovely little instruments. And I'm telling you, now the thoughts are going, okay, no! I said, no. I will not frustrate the grace of God through thoughts of fear. I'm holding on to my peace. And I'm telling you what, I did so great. It was like, you know, I was telling you about the grace of God. It's like going through something. But with, it's like traveling. You're in a bubble. <laughs> it's like traveling. You remember we talked about uh, driving in traffic and you hit every red light and there's lots of traffic and it's frustrating and it takes you a long time to get there. It wasn't like that. It was like the green lights where there's no traffic and you just have free course. And there was free course, you see. And there was an ease. And there was a grace, the grace of God. There was such a grace on me, I can't even tell you. It was so powerful that the little girl that, well, she wasn't a little girl. She was a, a, a nurse's assistant that was helping with this procedure. 
she, I could tell that, you know, she was insecure. And I was like comforting her. Honey, you're just doing a great job. <laughs> That's the grace of God. Woo! Glory to God. There's nothing like it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to meditate on it. You got to receive it. Now, here's what I know. You have to choose it. You have to choose to stay in the arena of faith and out of the arena of fear. Because the enemy is always going to be challenging you to get into that place. I'm telling you what, if you're doing anything big for God, you're using your faith. That's right. Absolutely. And the devil will want to get you in that arena of fear to beat you up and say, you just cannot do this. It is just not going to happen. But you've got to resist. You say, oh, no, I'm not going over that arena. I'm staying over here. I'm in the arena of faith. And that's resisting temptation. Resisting the thought. And when you resist it, you know what I found? It loses its power over you. When you take the thought, it gains power. But when you resist the thought, it loses power over you. No longer will you be entangled with the yoke of it. For the yoke of fear is bondage. Amen? Amen. Have you ever had an opportunity to get like, um, I have three granddaughters now. I had boys growing up, but I have granddaughters now. And have you ever had the opportunity to get gum out of a little girl's hair? Or maybe you didn't use the conditioner and they really have curly hair. Um, And it's a chore. It's entangled. It's in there. It takes time. It's frustrating. That's what happens when we get entangled with things. But we don't want to be entangled. We want free course. We want to use that conditioner so that that comb just goes through that hair. Goes through your situation. Amen? And it will. It'll strengthen you, the grace of God. It'll strengthen you so that you will avoid making fear-based decisions. Hallelujah. But you got to turn to it. Hebrews 4, 16 says, it tells us how to receive grace. It says what? you got to come to the throne of grace. That's where you get grace. Grace to go through something. Grace to endure. Grace that will sustain you. Grace that will lift you up. Saving grace. Amen. Amazing grace. How many of you think that, you know, you could really use an extra dose of the grace of God for something that you're facing tonight? Amen. Amen. The grace of God is God's power coming on you to do for you what you cannot do in and of yourself. That's what the grace of God is. The grace of God is divine influence of the heart. That is the grace of God. I I had a a little... uh, Definition that I looked up when I got here earlier. God's grace, divine grace. It's a theological term present in many religions. It has been defined as divine influence, which operates in humans to regenerate and sanctify, to inspire victorious impulses, and to impart strength to endure trials and resist temptation. 
and as an individual virtue or excellence of divine origin. Yeah, the throne of grace, where we can receive mercy, God's mercy. Some people think they can't get God's grace because of what they've done. But you see, mercy, the mercy seat sits over the law. And God's mercy is there for you. And he says, come. And then he tells you how to come. Come boldly. Not cowardly like we talked about a few minutes ago. That's what fear does. It causes you to draw back and shrink back from going boldly to God. It cuts off the hand of God that wants to extend out towards your need and help you. Jesus says, the word of God says, you've got to come. You do. You come to God and you believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. A reward is something that adds to you. It doesn't take away from you. God is a rewarder. And when you come to him boldly and you say, oh, mercy, mercy and grace, Lord. He says in Hebrews 4, 16, that you will obtain mercy and grace to do what? To help in your time of need. A time of need can mean many things. Amen. A time of need. Whatever your time of need is, there is grace available that is equal to the circumstances of that situation. It's grace for you, for your race, for your situation. Somebody else might not understand it, probably won't understand it, because it's not for them. It's for your course, for your race, for your life, for your situation. And you got to take hold of it. you got to turn to it. you got to turn to it. Turn towards grace. Amen? And obtain. And this is how you experience This is how you experience the very God of peace, sanctifying you holy, both spirit, soul, and body. That's how you experience that grace. That's how you experience that peace is through the grace of God. It's not enough just to have somebody else tell you how good it is. I can tell you just how good that um, gelato ice cream is. But until you taste it for yourself, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. Amen? See? Somebody agrees? Praise God. But spirit, soul, and body, three areas of your being, spiritually, when you feed your heart or your spirit faith, when you don't need it, your heart, your spirit's going to feed you faith when? When you do need it. I'm telling you, it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in the day of adversity. Your strong spirit will sustain you. It will help you to run through a troop and leap over a wall. Sometimes there's walls in life and we come up against them, you know. 
And it can be difficult because all you see is the wall in front of you. But you know there's something more to be seen. And God will help you to leap over that wall. To get to the other side of what he has planned and prepared for you. So, we've got to, again, be strong. We've got to feed our faith. We've got to feed our spirit, man. Then the other area is our soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. And, of course, we know we've got to renew our mind with the word of God. And to take his thoughts, his rhema words. He will speak to you rhema words from his word. And they'll come up in you. And they'll bring power into your life. They'll bring grace into your life. They'll bring strength and peace. They will be fruitful. If you take hold of them. If you receive them. And so we, we must renew our minds to that. We must take our will and we must choose with our will. You got to be willing to be willing. You got to choose with your will. Lord, I'm willing to be willing. And you got to choose with your will to find peace for your soul. Then the body. You know, as a body, as, as, as a result of doing these things, you know what happens? There's a physical reaction called fight or flight that happens. In the brain it has to do with the amygdala, I think is what it is. And it, it sends signals, that fight or flight syndrome. But when you're in that place where your spirit man is strong and your soul has peace and rest, something happens when that fight or flight syndrome comes up. It's silenced. That's possible. Through the grace of God. Through the peace of God. So that you're calm. So that you have an assurance. You're stable. You're fixed. You're not double-minded. Amen. Hallelujah. In order to walk in this grace, which produces his peace, you've got to do something. You've got to hear the voice of God. You've got to hear his voice only. You've got to go into your closet. You've got to shut the door and you've got to hear his voice. Shut out distractions. Shut out everything else. Everything else that's commanding your attention, you know. Sterling, he ministered on Friday night, Friday night at 180. And he did an awesome, amazing, excellent job. Just an anointed message. And one of the things that he did, what we do in youth a lot is we try to do some kind of game at the beginning that illustrates the point of the the message that we're going to be doing later. And he did this game. And I'm just going to ask a couple of my youth to come up here and uh, help me because I do want to show you the illustration real briefly because it really is powerful. And it will help you to understand this message. So um, I need just a couple more people. Let's see. Pastor Tom, would you come up? You are, no, you, you're going to be a good, well, actually you're going to be a voice. So you're going to stand over here. Praise the Lord. And um, let's see, Roy, can you come? Hallelujah. We're just going to do that. And then we're going to have, let's see. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, let's see. Um, Don, can you come? And Mark, I'm going to have you come over here and be God. So Mark is God. And Mark is trying to speak over here. 
to um, Don. You get over here on the other side. You're trying to hear from God. You're just trying really hard to hear from God. But there's a lot of voices. And some of the voices are your flesh, your reasoning, the voices of others, the voices of the enemy, cares, sickness, problems. How about hobbies? Hobbies would be another one that would be screaming out to you. Relationships. How about situations with coworkers and finances and your kids? Your children, your career, your jobs. Here's another voice that will call out to you. How about Facebook? How about too much to do and not enough time to do it? So these voices are going to be calling out. And Dawn over there, she's going to try to be hearing God's voice. And over here, God, you're going to call to Dawn. You're going to say, come here. But these voices, I want you to yell out these things that are on the paper, all the things that are on the paper. But those children, the 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 voice of father, voice of the enemy, sports, basketball, football, Dawn cannot hear the voice of God because she's not in her prayer closet. She's not shutting out all these other voices that are commanding her attention. So she cannot hear the voice of God. Thank you, guys. You guys were great. You did good. And you know, it's so important. It's so important to hear the voice of God. It's so important for us to know what thus saith the Lord is. Where does faith begin? Where the will of God is known. How are you going to know the will of God if you can't hear from God? You can't get in his word because all these other things are commanding your attention. Have you ever been there? Where things are overwhelming? Praise the Lord. Busy? Where you're busy? And these voices are crying out. And you're trying to locate, is that my spirit? Is that my soul? Is that my flesh? What is it? I can't hear. So you have to pull yourself aside. And you have to be still. And know. See, when you're still, you know some things. Because you have the spirit of seeing and knowing on the inside of you. And you can hear God's voice speaking to you. And it becomes clear and clearer. And then you get that direction, and then that rhema word settles down. And when you've got that rhema word, like I said, oh my, you've got it made. You're home. Amen. Glory to God. How do we know his will? Well, you guys know this. You're students of the word. We know his will because in John 1 it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God's word is his will. And you got to get into that word and dig like treasure to find what it is that you need. Amen? And so, the more you know the word, the more you know the will. And I find that if I'm otherwise minded, God reveals even that unto me. That's what I love about the mirror of the word. Because I can be thinking about doing this or that. Or I'll have a certain perspective. See, you have a perspective from where you're seated. 
But we're really, we're seated in heavenly places. So to get God's perspective, we got to look into the mirror of the word so that it reflects back to us what God says about us and about situations. Amen? And then you can apply your faith. But you got to look into that mirror so you can make adjustments. You've heard that analogy of Sleeping Beauty that looked into the mirror. You know? Was it Sleeping Beauty? I guess it was. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Snow White. White. It was Snow White. I'm sorry I have the wrong story. I spend more time in the word than fairy tales, and I'm glad about that. But glory to God. But I'm telling you, the mirror will speak to you. The mirror of God's word will talk to you. It'll correct you. It'll direct you. It'll chastise you. It'll give you peace. It'll give you assurance. It'll help you to have revelation. Amen? Praise God. We need the mirror of the word. You know why? So we don't end up believing a lie. (laughs) You know, what would be an example of believing a lie instead of the truth? Or a lie as the truth? Well, one example would be that you're believing that... You know, you're sick because God's punishing you. You're sick because he's trying to teach you a lesson. Believing that you've earned, that you have to earn your salvation by good works and keeping the law so that you give up on God because you're so frustrated, because you can't keep the law, because you can't be good enough, because you can't earn your righteousness. You see, people see through that. And it's a lie that they believe is truth. And it cuts off the wonder-working power of the word in your life when you believe a lie is truth. That's why you have to look into the word to get truth, to get God's perspective, to get what God is saying. Martin Luther. Do you know who Martin Luther was? Praise God. He, He was a monk that lived in the 1500s. And God gave him an amazing revelation about the grace of God that we're made righteous by Jesus. And you know, at that time, that revelation was not in the earth. And people were in bondage. People thought that they could buy their righteousness, earn it, or just couldn't have it. And he was so frustrated by living his life trying to earn his salvation, his righteousness. He was so frustrated. But he stayed before God day and night, day and night, day and night. And God gave him the revelation that by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he went by the grace of God all over Germany and revival hit and then revival hit this earth with that revelation one person can make a difference one person armed with the grace of God can make a difference you know another lie would be that the word is not going to work for you this time again like we said oh you've just been too bad you don't have enough faith You didn't confess the word enough. You don't deserve it. 
Those are lies of the enemies, folks. And he packages them a little bit different, but he brings them to your life to still kill and destroy the word, the root, the seed of the word from working in your... You know, he comes to take the seed of the word so that it can't produce. Some other people I was thinking about, just real quickly as we're uh, winding up here tonight, I was thinking about the life of Noah and what a grace that he had on his life. God's protection. God's protection over the impending flood. God will protect you. Hallelujah. And Noah, you know, he, he was at that, building that ark. That ark, it was the size of a World War I battleship. And it had three levels in it. How do you build an ark? One board at a time. Amen? And he was building that ark. And you know, it took a hundred years for him to build that ark. And in that hundred years, here's some of the things I was thinking about that he faced. He faced persecution, ridicule, humility. He had a hundred years of it. He had a hundred years of labor, physical labor. He was a hundred years old building this ark. God called him to do it. hundred years of patience. A hundred years of not understanding, what? Why well, I'm building an ark on dry ground? Are you sure, God? Am I sure I heard right? A hundred years of obedience. A hundred years. How do you do that? By the grace of God. That's how you do it. Amen, TK. That's how you do it. You do it by the grace of God. Pastor Brenda was talking about David this morning. How did David slay a giant with a stone? I'll tell you, the grace of God came on that stone, that that smooth stone that he got out of the river. And when when he trolled that, I'm telling you that grace and that power came on that and it hit that giant, it hit Goliath right smack dab in the head, right in the place. That's it. Knocked him out. That's it. Amen. How'd he do it? The grace of God. And see, the grace of God will work the same way for you. God is no respecter of persons. He'll do for you what he did for Noah. He'll do for you what he did for David. He'll do for you what he did for Paul. He'll do for you what he did for Daniel in the lion's den. He'll do for you what he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. He'll do for you by his grace. How are you going to get it? You're going to come how? Boldly. And you're going to ask. And you're going to receive. And you're going to obtain. And it's going to propel you. Amen? Amen. I have one more little story as we're closing. And I read this a couple weeks ago to the ladies in prayer. And I wanted to inspire you. So let it inspire you. Praise God. God's power in the ministry of John Wesley. 
For 53 years of a tireless ministry, Wesley called himself a man of one book, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. Yet he wrote over 200 books, edited a magazine, compiled dictionaries in four languages, all in his own handwriting. He crisscrossed England on horseback for a total of some 250,000 miles. For years, he averaged 20 miles a day and often rode 50 to 60 and even more miles a day, stopping to preach along the way. He preached 40,000 sermons. Rarely less than two a day and often seven, eight or even more. He was 83 or when he was 83, he complained that he could no longer read or write more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes. He regretted that he could no longer preach more than twice a day and confessed his increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 a.m. <laughs> At 86, he was still rising at that hour each morning for prayer. The more you experience God and God's power working in your life and through your ministry, you know, you have a ministry. Every one of you do. The more that you have God's power working through you, the more you will sense your repeated need for the Spirit's new touch. The Holy Spirit is leading you into this deep awareness of your need and your joy in the Spirit's availability to you. When he fills us, that is, takes complete lordship in our lives. He cleanses and gives us power to be victorious in our Christian living. As the gospel song states, his power can make you what you ought to be. But in the service of God, indeed, in dynamic Christian living of the spirit-filled life, you need new in feelings, new empowerings, new anointings, new outpourings of the Spirit of God. Amen? You need the grace of God for your course, whatever you're called to do. You might not be called to ride a horse 250,000 miles and preach eight times a day, 40,000 sermons. But whatever you're called to do, you'll be accountable to God for. And you'll stand before him. And I don't know about you, but I just want to do all that he's called me to do so that I can stand before him and know in my heart, Lord, I obeyed you. I followed you. I endeavored to do your will and your plan and your purpose. And I want to hear, well done. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus.